Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. People didn't want to see Miami that dominant again. They knew that that dominance brought a lot of cockiness and swag that they didn't like to see. And they didn't want to see college football go down that path again. I mean, Sean. Like, I love the fact that we talk about him so much because I feel like he's like one of those players. You'd be like, what if? I know what the Vikings are going to do. Yeah. But I didn't know what this hen was going to do. The hen numbed everything. <laughs> Yo, welcome to All Things Covered with Patrick Peterson and Brian McFadden, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. The name says it all. If you like what you hear, make sure you leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can also watch us on YouTube. Just go out and visit youtube.com slash all things covered. So make sure you subscribe and turn on your alerts so you can get the show right away. Pat, we got another fantastic episode for our viewers. What are we going to cover on this show? Yo, Mac, as we all know, it's draft week this week, so we got to chop it up. On what's going on in Cleveland. Yep. And we also got an opportunity to chat with a former first rounder from the University of Miami, Santana Moss. Plus, I have another announcement to make. Ladies and gents, you guys have been following the show first quarter. Here's where we chop it up. This is a very, very different chopping it up segment. We got a special announcement. We're dropping some big time news on all things covered. The source of this news is actually the person who is involved in the news, and that's Patrick Peterson himself. So I will now hand the mic over to Patrick Peterson so he can go ahead and just let this big-time news out and about, and everybody else can run with it because I'm excited to hear what he has to say. Hey, man, Matt, first of all, it's always great to be on All Things Covered. Yes, sir. But – it's another great thing to just feel completed, you know. You know, you I know complete you read, now? Yeah, you know, you know, you read the Bible, you know what number stands for completions. Mm-hmm. It was only right to do it. What whoa, okay. Okay, so so it was only right to go back to the seven, Matt. Oh, so so you're telling us your number for this upcoming season. Yeah. With the Minnesota Vikings, you going back to your college days and your high school days. And you rocking the number seven. Hey, it's official, man. For the for the everybody, don't think what it say. That's that that is that's the that, that's the hard number too. That's not that's a soft it, number. What it say inside, Matt? Yeah, that's the authentic. That's it. Yeah, that's that's the authentic. That's not a soft number. That's a hard number. So you rocking you you back at as you say seven. You rocking number Eight. seven. Why are yeah, you returning? Right. Why are you returning back to your, your your college number? Hey, man, I think that's where it all started, man. Thing is, just like you like like we talked about a couple of shows ago, man. Good Lord, working mysterious ways, man. And, and just all three of my, you know, my favorite numbers are aligning. You know, I got opportunity to rock back number seven. It's my eleventh year. My birth, uh, I'm born on uh, on the eleventh day in July. Uh, my second favorite number is twenty one season. Twenty one season. It's twenty twenty one season this year. So yeah. Um, you know, everything just lined up perfect. And, you know, once they 
you know, uh, you know, pass that new rule of, you know, skill positions is able to wear, you know, any number between one and 49, it was only right. You know, I always wore it in high school, I wore it in college, I always felt comfortable with it. And that's who, you know, how, how I felt that's what started, you know, me. So it was only right to go back to my roots and, and rock that set. So let me ask you a question. Let's say number 21 was available for the Minnesota Vikings. Mm-hmm. And with this new rule that allows DBs to wear single digit numbers, would you have still switched if number 21 was available or you were just set in stone lock when they made this rule, uh, in place to be able to have single digit numbers. You were seven, I always, seven regardless. I always wanted to rock number seven in the league, you know, uh, and not the only reason because 21 is a dope number and obviously watching Dion where, you know, it's a popular number. So, you know, that was always my alternative number. You know, when I got into the league, you know, I, I had to pick a double digit. So it was either going to be 21 or 24 for Champ Bailey and Dion was like my guys yeah. who, I, uh, who I watched growing up. So now once, once they made the change, it was just easy for me because seven was always my number. I felt like seven was like my number, like 21 is Dion's number. You know what I mean? And, um, I just felt like, you know, in high school and college, I made seven known. I made it like you can tell when I went yeah. to LSU, you know, guys wanted to wear number seven. You know, yeah, I, obviously you did. They, you know, they went to, they went on and you know, they, they wore number seven in, in high school or Tyron didn't, but other guys wore it in, uh, in high school. You know, I love for tradition there. So I felt like that's my number. <laughs> you know what I mean? Man, listen, I'm fired <laughs> up. I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm just going to, you know, wait for my jersey to come in the mail. Right. So I can hey, go ahead and put it in the frame. Uh, that's what I'm going to do. Like, I might, I might just see you this one, man. I ain't going to wear this one. Okay. Just... Well, well, go ahead and sign it. Sign it. Go ahead and get, put your nice signature on that yeah, thing and, and, and put that in the mail when you get a chance. I have one request yes, for my guy, Pat Pete. Me and Pat P, we talk football all the time. We don't just talk the ins and outs, you know, the technical side. We also talk, talk the, the look side, the swag side. <laughs> so since you're going back to your college, your high school number, I want to know, are you going back to your college and the helmet you wore when you first came into the league? Because you know how I feel about these new age helmets, these double shell helmets. I call them the chicken coop. The revolutionary, uh, revolutionary helmets they're wearing to try to prevent concussions. Man, them helmets don't work. If you can go to sleep, you can go to sleep. If you get hit hard enough, I don't care what kind of shell you're wearing, you're going to go to sleep. So my question for you, Pat P, right. you got seven. I know you have the one sleeve on the one arm. You're showing the tats on the other arm. You know, you're going to have your, your all purple socks. Your cleat gang will be right. Are you going back to the old I don't know if it was the shorts or the ride there which you was rocking, but you know the the the, the face mask style I'm talking about. Are you going back to that style as well? It was the shirt. It was the shirt. It was the shots. Yeah. Oh Matt, you know I, I I don't know. You know what, Matt? When I get there, me and Dennis gonna have a sit down and uh, cause you know they stopped making that helmet. They outlawed that helmet, man. So you know I, I gotta I gotta I gotta be within the guidelines, man. So, no 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 no. They, 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 they outlaw they outlaw that particular style, but they came back with something that was similar. Because okay. there, there are a few guys that still, there are a few guys that rock that style. I think Tyreek Hill yeah, is are. one. Um, Stephon mm-hmm. Gilmore. Um, you got quite a few players that, that rock that style. So they can, yeah. and you future Hall of Famer, man. They can work things out. You can tell Zim, don't do that. Might, don't do that, I might, Zim. I might, I might pull out the archives, man. I might pull it out. Man, listen. Hey, <laughs> listen. You know, you know how you feel when that swag together. You know, it's, it's a shutdown day. Matter uh, well, of fact, I, Ram, Ramsey was still rocking that same style. It's a different, it's a different yeah. kind of helmet, but it's, it's a similar style. Yeah. I might, I might, I might pull it back out this year, Matt, just for you. There we have it. Hey, breaking news here. 
all things covered, Pat P just revealed what number he will be wearing. All the Viking fans, I know you guys are tuning in. Better get ready to go rush to the store, get that number seven, because seven will be causing a lot of havoc in your stadium, <laughs> at home, in a stadium near you. Stay tuned. This is a big, big week. Every week is a big week for all things covered, but just in the football world, it's a big week. You know why? The NFL draft is happening this Thursday in Pat's favorite city, uh, city Cleveland. <laughs> Cleveland will be hosting the NFL draft this week. Felt like it's only right that we go back down a memory lane with our very own Pat P. Talk about his draft experience. Granted, we know the experience. He was a top five uh, selection to the Arizona Cardinals. But the week, because when Pat got drafted back in 2011, I think it was, yep. the draft happened in New York City. A very, yeah. Radio yeah, the Big City, Apple, dude. city that never sleeps. So, Pat, what was the week like for you getting ready for the draft in 2011? Uh, if I can recall, like, so I think the draft happened on a Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think um, it was Thursday. I think it was Thursday. Yeah, it was a Thursday night. But Monday, everything was cool. I was in Florida, and I ended up traveling up to New York on Tuesday. Um, you know, you got to go through all the walkthrough, you know, where you're going to be standing, uh, staying, standing on the stage, you know, the day before. Everything was just cool. You know, I was just pretty much chilling, chilling out in uh in the Big Apple. Um, went to Flight Club, got a couple of J's. My boy KP came with a cut. Uh I think I can't remember if she was working at LV at the time. I think her name was Jen. Jen, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Had my suit all laid out for me. You know, got ready, went over to the got in the car, radio uh rolled over to Radio City, rolled down the uh, uh walked down the red carpet, um, got into the green room and as you know, I wasn't there too long. Got the call from Arizona. All my family members were uh, around the table. I had my girlfriend, well, my, she was my girlfriend at the time, but my wife now. Uh, you know, my grandma, Hugh, Walter, my grandpa, Scooter, my dad, uh, my sisters. You know, yeah, I got the call from Arizona and, you know, I ended up losing my damn phone at draft night because everything just went. <laughs> wire after yeah. after i got the car i put my phone on the table went went up to the stage and next thing you know i asked my girl did she get grab my phone didn't even grab my phone so i lost my phone on draft night but once i got drafted that's when everything literally life changed mm-hmm. because like you know now you're walking out of the the radio city hall now cameras all on you you know now your your, your name has been you know uh, on every TV screen right now. So everybody knows who you are right now. So I'm walking around New York, like, you know, getting all the congratulations, this, that, and other. So it was fun, man. I, I had a blast, man. I, I, like I said, uh, I know I joked around with Cleveland a lot this year, but if you have an opportunity to go experience the draft and be in the green room and be able to, to grow relationship with your other peers, go do it. You know, I, I definitely don't. Um, advise guys if they have the opportunity to turn that one down. I think that's that's definitely an opportunity of a lifetime that you want to be able to relish and cherish for the rest of your life. So, Mac, you know, with the 21 draft coming up, I know you got your draft, your GM hat on for uh, quite a while now. Who could my bikes take with the 14th pick, man? Could it be, like, how could a top 10 shake out? Like, could it be all, all quarterbacks? And who who you think uh who, who you think the bite's gonna take at fourteen? Well the, the the top ten, I think, you know, people been highlighting the quarterbacks. I don't think this is my early, you know, I guess I don't want to say under the radar statement, but uh my big time 
statement for the draft. I don't think more than four quarterbacks will be drafted in the top 10. I think the number is three. I think three. three. I'm, I'm going to throw that out there. I think three, maybe four. But if four I'm hits. A, Eric, send, us over, uh, send me over the uh, the top 10. And I'm going to tell you right now. Okay. Send me over the top 10, Eric. Because the top three, I know it's Jacksonville, the Jets, and, and, uh, and San Fran. So those three teams definitely. San Fran, San Fran taking. Um, yeah. San Fran taking a quarterback. Yeah, where it gets gonna, real they're gonna tricky. They're going to take, take Fields. Yeah, we're, we're not taking the quarterback. Line's oh, not wait, wait, no, no, no. San Fran might take Mac Jones, Pat P. No, they're gonna take Fields, man. But, but that's the thing. So those three teams definitely probably they will take a quarterback. He, he, the wild card is Atlanta. In the, in the, I like Jones, but Jones is much more like a, a stationary quarterback. And that offense and, and Kyle Shanahan offense, you got to be able to, and he can move, but you got to be able to be able to throw the ball on the run, play action, he can boots. Do it. See, see y'all, jump, y'all, y'all jumping on Mac Jones because he got a soccer dad body no, 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 and look, no, no, and look no, no, like he smoked no, no, cigarettes. No, 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 no I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. Mac Jones, he did, he did awesome this year for what he had to do at Alabama. But I'm, what I'm saying is, athletically, Justin Fields is more athletic. Oh yeah, 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 Last year, and then Joe Burrow was in 2019. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and he just, like I said, when he take his shirt off, you're not going to pick him to be on your Sandlot football team because he got right. a little gut. His ab game ain't really no, 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 like no. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even look at that. I'm just I'm that's, that's what a lot of people. That's what a lot of people yeah. look at. No, no, because no, no, the league is, trying, is starting to transition to guys that can really move, like quarterbacks that can make people miss, quarterbacks that can turn a 30-yard run into a 40 or 50, because, you know, it's a copycat league. You look at some of the no, young, no, up-and-coming quarterbacks, you know, they can all move. He might not be as athletic as uh, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey yeah. Lance, heck, even Trevor Lawrence. But I think he's getting – criticizes a little more than deserving because he lacks the athleticism that they have. But I do agree. I'll say this, though, Pat P. San Fran will either take Justin Fields or Mac Jones, for sure. And, I, and it's going to be Justin Fields. Wow. Yeah. Any and other so, name definitely would surprise me. But yeah, outside good. of those outside of those three teams, if there's not a team that trades up in the top ten, I don't know if Atlanta will take a quarterback. So that's why I, I only I say think, I think, at I least three Atlanta guys will trade. go for sure. Yeah, I think Atlanta may trade out of the they should. Pick. The Lions not taking a quarterback. Panthers no. not taking a quarterback. No. Nope. Broncos need to take a quarterback. Yeah. That, that, that's a, that's another question mark. We know Cowboys, yeah. they're not taking at, te- yeah. At Bengals team. not taking a quarterback. No. Um, so. yeah. So if, if Atlanta, if Atlanta trades out of that, the fourth position, that's going to be the wild card. Yeah. Whoever trades, if Atlanta trades out, whoever trades in, they're taking a quarterback. Right. I think. I think 100%. they're definitely moving, making that move to take a quarterback. Right. And to answer your second question, your new team, the Minnesota Vikings, what I see happening with them in the first round, currently they're at 14, right? They're selecting 14. Uh, they either go That's like offensive, offensive, offensive line or defensive line. Uh, they yeah. release a uh, starting left tackle from last year, Riley Reef. Uh, this is a very, very heavy, deep O-line class, sure. especially at the tackle positions. So they might go out and go get a guy to, to fill the shoes left by Riley Reef. And if not, O line, maybe pass rusher. You know, go get you an up and coming uh, uh, pass rusher to pair it with Hunter, who's back yeah. healthy. Uh, but those are the two sides that I, I easily see going, you know, for the Vikings. Either O line, specifically speaking, tackle or DN. Okay. In either, either direction, 
I think the team, your team gets better. So maybe if they feel like offensive alignment are so deep, you might go get a DN in the, in the first round and double back or go back in the second round and go get one of the tackles that may be available because this is a very, very heavy offensive tackle draft. And now you can get quality value at that position in the second round and maybe even in the third round. Okay. I like that. All right. You guys know what time it is. It's your favorite part of this show. A lot of fans have really loved this segment of our show, Has Pat Heard. But before we get to Has Pat Heard, make sure you guys stay tuned because after halftime, we're joined by former first-round selection by the New York Jets, former wide receiver for the Washington Football Club. Santana Moss will be joining us on the opposite side of the half. But before we get to halftime, let's chop it up with Pat P. Has Pat Heard. This is where we check in on how Pat P. has been doing with the sporting news during his offseason. Pat's record so far, 22 of 33. So he's gotten 22 questions right out of 33. So he's he's doing he's doing fairly well. Last last week, we're gonna say he was three and a half out of four. <laughs> oh, thank you. You gave me that one. Three and a half out of four. So the first question for you is the actual body weight of Devontae Smith was just revealed last week. Do you remember how much he weighed? I did remember hearing that story, but I think I'm going to take a wild guess. I did hear the story, but I don't remember the number. Okay, if you don't give me the exact number, I'll I'll, I'll count it as being correct for you. Okay. If you can tell us, if you can get within three or four pounds of the actual weight. Yeah, it was was 160-something. Okay, you got to give me a number. I said three or four four pounds. (laughs) If I'm not mistaken, I think it was 167. Oh, you got it. It was 166. Okay, yeah, I remember. I remember seeing it. <laughs> okay, so my second question for you before we go to the next has Pat heard question: Do you think he should drop in the draft because he's 166 pounds, regardless of what he's did in the collegiate level, yeah. dominating? Do you think he should be should he drop because he's that light? Devontae Playing wide ball. receiver, Devontae a ball player, man, and it's hard to deny a ball player, and, and the proof is in the pudding. You put the film on. Mm-hmm. And the ball is in his hands. He go get it. Electrified, like point blank. Period. You know, what I mean? he, he he's done it against the best competition in college football. I agree. You know what I mean? Week in, week out, he's been trophy winner for a reason. I agree. The okay. first, the first receiver Heisman Trophy winner in like what twenty some odd years. Yeah, Desmond Howard. Hey, longer than that. Like, like we talked about, Mac. They don't pass those out now. No sir. No sir, Bob. <laughs> Okay, Pat P, you got that one right. The second question for you is, Trevor Lawrence just signed a $2 million endorsement deal with what drink company? I did not hear this one. Okay, it's a drink company, though. I give you, I, so you can get a guess. It's $2 million, so is it a sports drink company? Yes, it's a sports drink company. He went to Clemson, so that's ACC. Yeah, okay, I see you trying to go ahead and figure it out. Uh, uh That's not Gatorade, so I see Powerade. Oh, it is Gatorade. It is Gatorade, really? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. He already signed a deal with Adidas. He just signed a $2 million deal with Gatorade. That might be a half for you right there because you did yeah, see. Yeah, because, you know, because I know if, if you – I know they got Gatorade there, but I know most ACC schools with it being – at least we, from when I – I know we don't drink Gatorade. Because we don't drink Gatorade either because you know why. Exactly. Because uh, Yeah, because Florida. Exactly. Florida. So that's why yeah. we don't drink Gatorade. Mm-hmm. So I thought most other um most other teams and some for, for some odd reason I thought I saw Powerade on their um on their cooler cans, but 
Yeah, that's why I went that way because I know the history of college football and Gatorade. And that's why I said Powerade. But got me. Okay. Next question for you. What game did Eagles head coach Nick Soriani play with draft prospects during Zoom calls? The head coach for the Eagles. He said he played a certain game with draft prospects on Zoom call. I hear this. Rock, rock, paper, scissors. He played a game, rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Yeah, he did. I, I don't know what they know. The breakup, the monopoly. He, no, he said he wanted to see how competitive the prospects were, like in trying to win. So he wanted to play rock, paper, scissors with them. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, that's what he said. Right, hey, Mac, is my screen froze? No, you, you are you frozen? Oh, you're not. I saw your eyebrows move. Oh, you know. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> nah, <laughs> he should have been frozen saying that foolishness. Right. <laughs> yeah. What that mean? How can you determine how competitive? This is rock, paper, scissors. What about people who don't even play rock, paper, scissors? Like what? My daughter played rock, paper, scissors shoes. So you telling me that she competitive? Yeah, my kids play it all the time too. <laughs> and that's the thing. They do it wrong sometimes. Even some people say rock, paper, scissors shoot, or some people say rock, paper, scissors. And they just it's show the what they hit. one, man. It's, you know how some people like, what, what are we doing? No, it's like, the third, it's the third. Rock, paper, scissors shoot. Yeah, exactly. Right? That's, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what he said. He went, and he said, uh, you know, he wanted to see how competitive they were and, and wanted to hey. talk trash to them. Hey, you remember, man, Cincinnati Bengals asked me, man, what's the difference between a pen and a pencil? Yeah, we see, we saw how that worked out for Cincinnati. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Last question for you. Gronkowski set a new Guinness World Record for what? I haven't heard this either. That's why, hey, man, Mac, you see me where I'm at right now? I ain't even at home, man. Yeah, I know. You, you yeah. I'm happy to see you on dry land because, you know, usually you ain't on dry land. <laughs> you got me at the, you got me at the <laughs> perfect time, man. This was a great week to hit me as, yeah. as Pat Herb. And y'all yeah, got you, you, you've been doing pretty well last few, last few shows. Yeah, because I was home, man. Way. I was yeah, on dry yeah. land, coach. Yeah, yeah. Hey, but well, let me tell you what he did. He called a what pass from a helicopter 600 feet. Oh, no, 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 I did see that, but I didn't know that was him because he had a number jerk. Mm-hmm. Yep, that was Gronkowski. So I got that right. I didn't I know that get, was Gronkowski, though, but I saw that I saw that this morning because it was 600. I can tell you exactly what it was. It was in Arizona State Stadium. Arizona football State. That I think it was spring football. Arizona, not Arizona yeah, State. Arizona. Arizona. Wildcats. Not the uh, mm-hmm. uh, Cook'em. However you said in Arizona State. Uh, but anyway, he had a blue Arizona jersey State, on. He had a blue jersey on and a helicopter dropped the football. Yep. I did see that. You're right. I didn't know that. I didn't know that was, uh, Rob though. I just saw the yep. clip. That's I didn't know that was him. That was him. All okay. Right, All right. Well, we in there. You know, we got to go to committee on some of these, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> but we understand given the circumstances as we see the backdrop that, right. you know, you, you've been doing a lot of moving around. So we understand. Now, 21 questions. We might, you know what? There's no might. We will have to change this part of our show to seven questions because as Pat P revealed early in the show, he now has a New Jersey number. He's rocking number seven for the Minnesota Vikings. So this may be the last week you guys hear of 21 questions. We will change that to seven questions. Uh, 21 questions is where we get a chance to interact with you, the fan the listeners, and the viewers. If you want your question to be answered in the future, leave a question attached to a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we may get it on this show. This question comes from Tay in Florida. Shout out to Tay, who's in Florida. I love this question, <laughs> Pat P. <laughs> Why doesn't Rondé Bar- Barber get any love when it comes to the top cornerback list? 
He definitely revolutionized the nickelback position. Man, Rondé played 16 years, Pat P. Listen to these stats. 47 career interceptions, including 10 in 2001 when he led the league, eight pick six, 197 pass deflections, 15 forced fumbles, 28 sacks, five-time Pro Bowler, three-time first-team All-Pro, part of the 2000s All-Decade team, and a Super Bowl champion. Hey, Tay from Florida, thank you for that big-time question, and I'm right there with you. Why is he overlooked, not just at the all-time cornerback list? This man should be in the Hall of Fame by now. Yeah. He should be in the Hall of Fame now. Look at that championship team that he was a part of in in Tampa Bay, that outstanding shutdown defense. Mm -hmm. He was the third member of the big three, if you're asking me. The first two guys, Derrick Brooks, Warren Sapp, and then Barber. Derrick Brooks, Warren Sapp, they're in the hall. Barber should be in the hall as well. I think he should be in the hall of fame. They're probably going to put John John Lynch in front of Barber, but I'm right there with you because John Lynch was on that team too. Yeah, Lynch is in. Lynch is in, my bad. Lynch is in. But but so, I I, I consider no, I'm with you. I'm with yeah, you 100%. Lynch, Lynch is already in, but I think I think Barber was part of the big three before Lynch. In I my think, opinion, I think I think Rondé would definitely get in very very soon because, like like you said, what he was a, what he what he was able to do over 16 years and able to change the nickel <laughs> position, not only change the nickel, nickel position, but he also he was the first guy to be a corner that not not the first guy but one of the first guys to be one of those transit uh transcending players to where he can play outside and inside Remind, yes. remember he was a starter on the outside and yeah. then when he came down to third down defense, he went inside he went inside yeah Rondé and Brian Kelly uh uh yes. Abraham they had Abraham I mean, yeah so, so so he was always he, that outside perimeter starter but in sub packages he moved inside right because he was i mean obviously in in Tampa they ran a lot of cover too so they wasn't acquired to do a lot of running behind like the systems that you know that I'm in or you're in in, in the fire zone me being in the man to man system so it, it it's different what what he was able to do in that cover 2 system and what he was able to do to to really revolutionize the nickel position it was Man. like he, he's he he's the god of the nickelback position. No question, like, <laughs> he is what he is the he's the nickelback image. Right. No Better doubt yet, about it. He could be the corner image for guys who have the same stature. You know what I mean? Might not, right. not be big like yourself, but guys mm-hmm. that can be so instinctive. Forty-seven interceptions, man. This man had eight to the sixes. house, eight pick eight. sixes, twenty-eight sacks. Yeah. 15 forced fumbles. This man was a ball. He was a baller. He, oh, anytime he played against Philadelphia. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Been it, him. Oh. it was Philly. Uh, anytime he played against Atlanta, he balled against Atlanta. He balled against everybody. Yeah, no, nah, no. Nah, he, he, he had a great game. And he's been a finalist. He's just been waiting, Pat P. He's right, been a no. finalist. He's just been waiting. But he's going to get in. He's definitely going to get in, uh, deservingly so. But here's my thing. This where I think, and I don't want to get no, no grief over this or anything like this, but this is where I believe where the committee gotta have people that played the game, like yeah, that, you said that this before. in between the lines with these guys, because there's a lot of guys out there that that got the stats that you know belong in the hall, and and that's not there because I forgot who we had on, who we had on. They talked about this, the the younger writers that maybe that was it was it Steve Smith Senior. I think it was, but that may not have 
X, Y, and Z back in the 70s. Here we are in 2021. So how do they know? Oh, that was Mel Blunt. That was Mel Blunt who said that. Mel Blunt. That's who it was. So that's why we got to have more guys that play the game, more guys that's in the white lines that that are actually watching the game because that's my biggest thing on people who who are giving out, not, not discrediting them, not all of them, but for the most part, they're watching the primetime games. If you're going to really do your due diligence and, and put somebody in a category where they should belong, you have to do, you have to watch everybody. You have to watch the games. You have to watch how they move. You have to watch how offenses are literally altering their game plan around this one player. Man. That matters. This is horrible that Barber is not in. But he I has think, the numbers and he has the film. Yeah. And I think he will definitely be in soon because you know me, Matt, you know, with me wanting to have those aspirations of being in the hall. No question. If you have three, if you have two or more first team all pro, it's a 40% chance of you making it. If you have three, you got three. Yeah, Those, if you have three or more, it's a sixty-seven. Yeah. It increases, man. and he's still waiting. We're gonna start yeah. it right here <laughs> for Barbara. We're gonna start it right here for Rondé. He'll be in soon. No Rondé question. Will be in soon, no man. question. Rondé, Rondé, we got we got to get that campaign going right now. Yeah. He'll be in soon. And I can tell you this much: they have leverage. The Buccaneers organization have leverage. They just won a championship. Yeah. They just won a championship. They have leverage to do something to try to get. Mark my word. He'll be in within the next three years. With his name, he should. He'll, he'll he should. be in the next three years. And, and great question from Tay in Florida. Tay is in Florida. Great question. Uh, we want to remind everyone that you can find us on Instagram at All Things Covered Pod. Each week we give clues for our next guest. The first person to guess correctly gets a follow and a shout out on the pod. So we have to shout out Ant.HNZ, who was the first press person to guess Kirk Cousins last week. You like that? Again, like that. <laughs> again, follow us on All Things Covered Pod for the very best content from the show. It's halftime for us, but on the other side of the break, we'll be joined by Santana Moss. Stay tuned. You. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game full speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Ladies and gents, we back from halftime. We promise you guys a sp- special, special guest joining us on the opposite side of the half. We went out and made a big time addition. You guys know how we do. Usually we add members to the secondary. We even added some members to the quarterback position, but we went out and got a prime time electrifying wide receiver, good friend of mine, also a foe at one point in time on the collegiate level. First round pick in 2001 out of the University of Miami. I will not say out of the I won't say that letter. 
I won't say the letter, but I will say the University of Miami, 14-year NFL vet, 2005 Pro Bowler, second team All-Pro that same year. You can find them on Instagram at 8 to the 9 on Instagram. Man, Santana Moss here, all things covered. Join us on the show, Pat P., Brian McFadden. Tanner, man, how you doing? What's up, man? I've been, been, you know, we're going to get off topic a little bit or a little early. Uh, I've been waiting for you to come back to Miami so we can boo, man. But you know, we'll say. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Pat P, I forgot to tell. I forgot to tell you, man. Tanner's heavy. He's heavy in the booth. Listen, man. I, I I seen it all, Mac. I seen all the booze, man. man Tanner, heavy in the booth, man. We got it. We got to get in some of our stories a little later in the show, Tanner, man, because you know how we used to get it cracking the booth down there in Miami. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no doubt. But, man, we got to address something just starting in the first quarter with with you, man. Growing up, you're a South Florida kid, Carroll City, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean, 305 Dade County. But you grew up rooting for the Hurricanes, the Seminoles, and the Gators. Why was it so hard for you to root for one team? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) How is that even possible? You rooted for all three in-state, big-time, blue-blood football programs. Why was it so difficult for you to choose one to root for? I mean, it was only natural to root for the home team because I was from Miami. So you always going to root for Miami. My grandmother used to take me to the Miami games when I was young. There was a guy she said that was something just like myself. It was a punt returner, wide receiver. I forgot the guy's name, but he was all world. And I never even grew up, you know, really. I was That was way before my time. I was too young to remember. Mm-hmm. But as I got older and then I became a chief, I mean, something about them Seminoles, you know, and it was just like, man, that chant we had. I went to a, I went to a Florida State Cincinnati Bearcats game. My grandmother took me to my cousin was playing in Cincinnati Bearcats. He was a he was a true freshman from out of New Orleans playing receiver. And I remember it like it was yesterday. And, you know, just being in the area, I'm like, man, I'm rooting for Florida State. But my cousin is a Bearcat, so I got to show him some love. So I'm there rooting for my cousin, but I wanted Florida State to win. I bought my I bought a jersey. She gave me she gave me money to buy a jersey. And I bought the oddest number, 48. This 48 Florida State jersey. Mm-hmm. Bro, it's crazy how the world works, how things come back around to you. But I'm sitting there with this 48 jersey on. Family members mad at me. They don't <laughs> I don't care, man. I got a Florida State jersey on. And then fast forward, that was my number at Miami. Ain't yeah, your freshman year. Your your freshman year, right? That's crazy. Yeah, I'm the win 48. And I'm sitting here like, man, maybe I'm getting paid back from winning that 40, buying that 48. <laughs> I'm gonna watch my cousin. But I don't know, brother. I really don't, man. It's just I was a um, I think it was always Florida State for me. You know, in the state of Florida, when you had to put all teams together, it was just Florida State. It was something about them more than it was Miami, but I still couldn't just leave my team behind. So I rooted for them also. Yeah, but wait a minute, wait a minute. So, so growing up, hey Pat P, you know I, you know I got to dig a little deeper into this topic. Growing up, you had a a diehard love for Florida State. Florida State, but you go to Miami. <laughs> yeah, like what, what 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 created the disconnect? I mean, you you tell me. I want to know my home, man. I mean, honestly, you think about it, man. You just look. You know how it is, man. Um, Florida State was one of those hit schools. Miami was too. But at the time when Miami got me in the doors, they wasn't. They was on a kind of mm-hmm. like decline and they was losing scholarships crazy and on probation, you name it. It was so much going on in Miami. So now you have a, a thirst for whatever talent you can get. I mean, however you can get them in the doors, they was doing that in Miami. At Florida State, I remember, uh, I forgot y'all defensive back coach. I think he was a defensive Mi- uh, coordinator. Mi- Mickey Andrews. 
Andrews would come down. He was watching Bradley. And I'm yep. sitting there trying my hardest to go show this dude what I could do in practice. I mean, I'm, I see him on the sideline. I'm I'm bombing cats <laughs> in practice. Kara City wasn't throwing the ball like that. And right. when you look at the body of work that I had up until that point when he was looking at Bradley and some of the other guys we had, OJ, you know, OJ yeah. played D-line at the time. He's watching all those guys on defense. But it, it was nothing that I did that can kind of like raise his eyebrows. And it was all cool. It was cool because – I understood my circumstances. You know, it was just, you know, odd for us to even, you know, show off or have a guy outside that can really, you know, show the stuff in that kind of offense we was in. But so if, if Florida State would have offered Tanner, you would have went to Tallahassee? Oh, no, no question. Yeah. No question. <laughs> oh, man. Because I knew Florida State would have offered me to, to come in there and play football. No like question. I, said before, I don't even, you know, coming into Miami, I turned to, I, you know, when I first got notice of how I was getting the door. It wasn't like the football team really wanted me. It was track. So yeah. I was like, no, I'm not coming. And it wasn't until I took a visit to Western Michigan and experienced the cold. And I was like, oh, if Miami give me that track scholarship, then I'm taking it because, you know, I can play football. I wasn't – I didn't have no doubt in my mind. And think about it. All the guys that came from Kerosene that went to Florida State and Miami, Miami was getting D. Brown, you know, our, our safety, Devin Brown. And they mm-hmm. also wanted uh, Robert uh, Sanford, our running back. Surprisingly, he didn't go there. He ended up going to Western Michigan. Yeah. And they took they took Najee Davenport instead of him. Both of those guys mm-hmm. was head to head when it comes to best running backs, you know, in high school football that year. So I knew I could play with these guys. I'm lining up next to these guys every day. So mm-hmm. there's no question that if you're picking these guys to go anywhere around Florida or wherever else, I can play on the collegiate level at a high level. So I just wanted to get in the door. So once I realized that that opportunity was through track. I'm like, hey, you ain't got to tell me again. I'm going to get in here, and then the rest is going to be up to me. Yeah. And, Chenna, I was going to ask you about, the, uh, you know, how a guy like yourself become a walk-on, but you just uh, alluded to that very well. But I'm going to jump to my, my next question. When you, you get to Miami at the time, you guys, like you talked about, you guys wasn't quite at the level you guys were in the 80s and the 90s. Yeah. What groundwork that you guys put in motion to – to that 2000, you know, the early 2000, turn that thing back around? Um, Great question. Honestly, man, my class was like no other. That 2001 class, graduating class, we came in in 97, and we was all just eager to be. We grew up watching Miami. Like, you got to think about it. I saw it firsthand. I'm sitting right there in the backyard watching these Hurricanes be dominant, you know? Right. So everybody else who they kind of went out to recruit, Reggie Wayne, Darrell Jones, uh, you name it, all the other guys, Dan Morgan, all these guys who came in my class, you know, Ed Reed, we actually got a chance to see what Miami was like. And we wanted to be, be a part of that. We didn't care about what they was going through. I'm like, look, in order for us to be known around here, we have to be a part of what these guys did by putting these plaques up, putting those trophies on the stand and raising those banners in our stadium and stuff like that. So we was eager to make a difference. And then we also understood that we on probation right now. We have a prime time to really go out here and really strut our stuff and be noticed early because they need players. Like my freshman year, I think it was the most freshman that ever had played in Miami history. We had to play walk on. Yeah. You know, I was a walk. I was considered a walk on. Like we had, it was guys other than me though, who wasn't getting a scholarship that was playing as a walk on. So it was just odd, man. But we went through so much that, that first year. Guys before us, they had a class before us with EJ, uh, Nate Webster, you name it. It was Nate, it was EJ, Nate Webster, Al Blades, Damian Lewis, 
that Leonard class, Myers. Leonard Myers was, was on that team. Yeah, that class. Leonard Myers came in with me. That yeah. class alone had already set the tone as that. Hey, man, we got to make a difference around here. So the 2001 class just joined, joined forces, and like, look, we want to be a part of history, not the history that's going on right now, a part of some of the history that was left behind. In order for us to do that, we got to come out and be special. So that's what happened, man. We really made a pact then as freshmen, like, look, before we leave here, we're going to win the national championship. That was our pact. So what was your emotions then missing out on that epic season, seeing someone like Eric Reed who ended, mm-hmm. who ended college with you being a part of that team? Like, what was your emotions seeing those guys win the championship when you went on to the league? I wasn't mad. I was more mad with the with the college football itself because I feel like they let us down, you know. Don't get me wrong. Look here. However you want to call it, we got a chance to finally beat Florida State my senior year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, at the end of the day, regardless of who was better or not, it is what it is. If you, you set the rules that say that you have to beat the best to be the best. We mm-hmm. did that. You know, we lost one game early in the season where we went out to Washington and laid down. And we mm-hmm. could have easily won that game if they give me that touchdown at the end of the game. You can go back and watch the film. All you need is one foot in college football. I got one foot in the end zone. They say I was out of bounds. But we gave these guys a game because we allowed them to get ahead of us early and we fought our way back. So whatever it may be, we put ourselves in that situation. But then we beat the best. Florida right. State, that was the best. We beat them. So fair and square, we should we should be honored or given that right to play in a national championship game. We wasn't. Hey, Tanner, real quick. So do you feel like the rest was against Miami at the time in the, in the early 2000s? Because you remember in 2001, that PI call, which was <laughs> not a PI. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was a huge UM fan, uh, as well. So do you think the refs had a little bit to do with, you know, with the, with, with the game at the time? Or you think they felt a certain way about you? You know what? I could sit here and be that bitter player and say, yeah, it was always against us and, so a little of that still lingers in my head, thinking that people didn't want to see see the dominance again. I I, I do believe that, right. but some of that stuff yeah. was hard to you know um you know not you know not see because we were just dominant. We was a dominant force. If you think about it, if we allowed to go to the two thousand national championship, not saying that we just going to be Oklahoma. We don't know. We didn't get the chance to play them. I felt we would though. That team was we was one of those teams. We easily beat right. that game. Not saying we will, but I'm saying if we beat that game, then they go win in 2001. Then 2002, they have another chance to win, which they won that game against Ohio State. That was, you know, yeah. talking about that penalty. We <laughs> have another three-peat in Miami. You know what I'm saying? So it was a lot. You can you can, you can, can see now that we're talking about it, it was a lot going on back then to not allow us to be yeah. who we were because people didn't want to see Miami that dominant again. They knew that that dominance brought a lot of cockiness and swag that they didn't like to see, and they didn't want to see college football go down that path again. I know you weren't a part of the 2001 championship team, but you laid the foundation. Your class, as you stated, laid the foundation for that successful epic year. And you you played with all of those guys that were able to hoist that championship trophy. So the question for you, Tanner, do you believe that 2001 team championship Miami team is one of the best college championship teams to ever do it? If so, why? I mean, I'm going to – being biased, yeah, I'm going to say they was the best team ever. You know what I mean? No, but, no, you can't. You can't be biased on here. You can't be biased with it. You, you got to be honest. You got to be, be honest. Real. I'm gonna be real. I mean, <laughs> I can't look beyond Miami. I don't care about other schools because that's where you know that's all. I, you know, orange and green. Like, yeah, at one point in time, that it was other schools that I wanted to attend. Yeah. Once I got in those doors, it was nobody else that I ever thought about. You know, um, but I truly believe that the 2001 team especially because they won a national championship, they have to be, you know, when it comes to just the 
just the athletes alone. And then it wasn't about just winning it. You know what I mean? It's the way they won it. You know what I mean? It's the, it's the scale of how you watch those games. Those games, you can arguably sit here right now. We can sit here and, and bring up a lot of cases of each guy that was a part of that championship. What did they do afterwards? You know what I'm saying? Guys that made, you know, uh, monumental, you know, uh, or, or you could say pivotal, uh, points in that, those, those games leaving up, leading up to the national championship and the national championship game. What was their post careers like after they left? So when you look at that alone, like I watch a lot of college football to still mm-hmm. to this day. And yes, you're going to get some of those teams that you like, man, that team was put together, blah, blah, blah. But then when those guys leave, those guys who was so, you know, pivotal in the team winning, what did they do in their post careers? Did they was that you didn't see that that's that same play on the pro level? So that's how I grade. I look at those guys and what they did in college, and then I say, man, as pros, they was dominant too, and they had long careers. So that's why you know I give that 2001 team a nod because one, I don't look past UM, and then two is just looking at the you know the, their body of work after they left college. All those guys had great careers. Those guys who we talked about in college making those plays. They went to the pros and they was dominant, you know, on the pro level as well. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to look at it. You know what yeah. I mean? You can definitely take it from different angles, but that that's a big time point. You know what I mean? With what the successful collegiate players did that won a championship, what did they do in the next level? I like yeah. that. I like that take. Yeah, but, but I, I, I want to agree with you though that that one team is not the best team, so I'm just throwing it out there. But I like <laughs> well, your look, take though. Look, I don't agree either because I would say the 2000 team <laughs> didn't win a championship. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, I know no, why no. you ain't even gonna, you're not going to agree with me. I, you know, you similar to just have something about those Kings, man. Regardless of how much we try to put that that pass behind us and be boys. The only time I can be your boy is when we're playing cards. Because if we start talking about football, then we got to go at each other's head. You know what I'm saying? So, hey, you, you already know. Anytime we played y'all, man, any anytime the field goal team ran on the football field, man, we holding our <laughs> breath, man. Man, Pat P, I, man, listen, even to this day, anytime I see Florida State trot on the football field to kick a field goal, man, I'm ready to throw up. Yeah. No, listen, Mac, I'll never forget. I remember playing for the Park Ball, uh, Pompano Eagles, and it was always on a Saturday night. I remember the rainy game when, uh, my boy Roscoe Parrish got his inside. Oh, yeah, that was it. That was it. Oh, Taylor was, was going three. then. That was, oh, that was, that was 03, sucks. right? 03. Yeah. That's what, yeah, that's my junior year. That was 03. Boosie. That was Boosie. Yeah. They had them orange pants on. That was like our yes, first sir. time rocking them orange pants. That's the hurricane game. That's, uh, hey, but, yeah, I remember watching all those games, um, uh, doing park ball, getting ready for my game. But Tanner, man, we heading to draft this week, which is mind boggling, boggling to me. I didn't even know you was in the same draft class as Reggie Wayne. Yeah. So heading to, into draft night, did you think you or Reggie Wayne would be the first receiver, first Miami receiver selected? Great question, man. Honestly, look, because <laughs> I get, you know, especially that we done, you know, and you look at Reggie's career, Reggie was phenomenal from day one. He was great for a guy like myself because mm-hmm. honestly, when you have to when you have to scale yourself on or put yourself on a scale of saying what you want to look like or who you have to compare yourself to be to play at this level, to have a guy like Reggie Wayne, it was easy for me to live up to what I had to live up to to be able to play. Because mm-hmm. Reggie out the door, he was prototypical to us. You know, I have I've spoken about this many you know many of times to different podcasts and different, you know, uh, people I share stories with. Reggie was the prototype as a wide receiver in the collegiate level that I've ever seen. And it was like he was on my team. 
I, I feel like he he was just at six one, six one, you know, six feet, six one. He had the size, he had the build, he he caught everything. And you know, I look back at a lot of receivers, I judge them, and I say, man, you know, what could I bring to the table that's going to allow me to be in the same breath as a Reggie Wayne? So I knew my game was different. You know, my game was you know a little more beat that guy all the time, and it wasn't about you know playing with him in the line of scrimmage. I'm just going to run past you. One of the things that I worked on more than anything that Reggie allowed me or Reggie helped me with, and he didn't help me because I asked him to help me, is watching him not miss a pass. Mm-hmm. However that ball got to him, he caught it. So I, I used to judge myself like, man, I, shit, I might drop a hitch, you know, because I'm trying to I'm trying to turn around. I'm trying to turn up field with that thing. And right. I remember CJ telling me, like, Tanner, they ain't going to call your name unless you catch the ball first. And then I just watch film, and I'm sitting there like, man, boy, Reggie catch two-yard catch, three-yard and it adds up. So watching him, having him there, it made me grow as a player. It made me grow as a receiver. And then allowing myself just to be me, when I ball out of my hand, I'm looking for that band striker because I know what I'm going to do afterwards. You know what I'm saying? So to answer your question, I care less about who went first. Mm. I've always, at the time of being a of being a hurricane, when I finally got a chance to start alongside with him, you we can't be the same. Somebody has to do something different, you know? I always looked at Reggie for being Reggie, and I looked at myself for being me. Like, we was the great – we was like a, a a perfect match. When you have a duo of receivers, you can't put two Odell Beckhams out there because somebody's going to feel cheated. You understand? Right. You got to have a Reggie Wayne in the Santana. You got to have a guy that's going to catch everything, that's going to move the chains, that's going to dice you up, that's going to beat you up. And then you got to have a guy that's, you know what, when you when you caught slipping. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's how I looked at myself. I never compared myself as being better. Or less because I felt like together we meshed perfectly, you know. Yeah. So when we was coming to the draft, my body of work kind of had built up to the point to where you look at it and you was like, I heard the, you know, the rumblings that Tanner, you know, my junior year, they told me like, look, if you get into this draft, you and P Dub, you might mess up things for P Dub, you know. That's what I was hearing my junior year. So going into my senior, year, it was no doubt that I was going to get drafted in the first round. I had no clue who was going first. Or second, I just felt like I was going to be drafted in the first round. So when it happened, you know, at the time, I didn't have even a a, a, a chance to let it, you know, soak in. Like, oh, man, I just got taken before Reg. It was just a great moment because I've always looked forward to having this moment. Yeah. And Santa, you were selected 16th already. and Reggie went 30th, right? Yeah, Reggie went 30th. Yeah, Santana was 16. Hey, Tana, do, has the perception of smaller receivers changed since you entered the league 20 years ago? Oh, no, no question. I mean, no question. I mean, this put it like this. This, this, this right here will, will answer your question. When I was coming out in 2001, mm-hmm. this was the narrative. This is what, what was told to my agent and what was told to me in my face. If you were six feet, if you was 5'11, you would be the first receiver taken. Wow. That what was told to me. And I sat down like, and you got to understand, we babies, 20 years old, 21 years old, we we don't understand. We just trying to make it, man. We don't, mm-hmm. we don't been through the fire, man. We, we from South Florida. Whatever you think we've seen, we saw and more. And whatever you think we went through, we've done that and more. So to be where I'm at, the, even the door that I, the way I got in, I'm not thinking about where on the scale. I'm just thinking about getting in that door because that's what I dreamed <laughs> of doing. Yeah, you right. asked me when I was five or six years old what I want to do, pro, play pro football. You know, so now to be here, to be able to say, hey, I'm going to, in a week or so, I'm about to be drafted. I care less about the number. 
and I care less about the round. I just know I was going. I know the body of the work that I laid, I left behind has allowed me to see a, see a nice payday where I could take care of my family and pursue something that I've always wanted to do. So to hear somebody say, look, man, whoo, we, whoo, man, this is phenomenal. But if you was such and such size, you would be first. How could you rob me from that because of my height? You understand? Right. So a little of that, knowing that when I got into the league, I think that always hung over me. And I've always, if you ask me, and I can't say that's the reason why I played big. No, I can't because I, that was just me. It was in my DNA. Like, punch him in my face, you better punch it a little harder. You know what I mean? So yeah. it was in my DNA. Like, I just was born that way. Like, I, you ain't going to stop me for because you say you're going to stop me. You better prove it, you know, sure. or do it. And hey, so, Tanner, re- real quick, uh, before I forget, you're talking about bigger receivers. Do you remember the receivers that dra- were got drafted before you? Oh, no question. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> hey, Robinson. Okay. Uh, Terrell. Well, okay. What college they went to? They, uh, everybody, Dave, Dave Terrell went to uh, Michigan. Michigan. He got drafted uh, by who? Uh, he went to Chicago. Okay. Yep. He was the first one. Robinson went to uh, South Carolina. Uh, no, no, North Carolina State. North Carolina. There you State. go. Yep. And who drafted to, him? Seattle. Uh huh. And um, Rod Gardner went to the Redskins. Well, now that's that's called the uh, Washington Football Team. Yep. So, and what college he went to? Uh, the U. You already know what time it is. And but think about. <laughs> hold on. Let's get. Hold on. Now that we bring that up, and I don't know if we're gonna get to this or not. Ask me what I was told that I was going. What team I was going to of of draft week. Oh, you was going to draft. I talked to nobody but Washington Press. Really? I was going to the Washington Redskins at the 16th, I mean, at the 15th pick. Everybody in their mama called me from Washington, like, are you ready to be in the, you know, back then it was called. Uh, wow. You know, so, I, so being that I'm the person that I am, I'm like, show me. I'm, I'm not from Missouri, but you still got to show me. <laughs> I never got my hopes up high. I Wait a minute. Somebody, Look, man, until I get drafted, I don't want to talk about where I'm going, but whatever happens, you know, right. it's going to happen. So Washington, they're telling you they're going to draft you, but instead of drafting Santana Moss, they go draft Rob Gardner, another wide receiver. Yeah. So and now it, let me tell you why. Dan Snyder wanted me, and if I'm not mistaken, Schottenheider wanted the taller receiver. And yep. they, they had a few. Look, this is crazy because it lingered around my whole Jet career. For four years, every every player we get from the Redskins would come over and tell me the story. Like, man, you supposed to be in a skin. And I'm like, well, damn, that shit was true then because I was told that. Mm-hmm. And so Dan Snyder came in there. This is what we want. And Sean Herman said, no, I want a tall receiver. And so he picked Gardner because of that. And that's why the Jets moved up and got me at 16 because they thought I'd be going at 15. Mm. Wow. Crazy story. And so Lockett, you know, the guy Lockett from Seattle, mm-hmm. his dad was in Washington. He came over to the Jets and said, bro, you won't believe what was going on over there. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, what? He say, man, Dan Snyder wants you. And then to add to that, every year Dan Snyder tried to trade for me while I was a Jet. And So, and so the trade makes sense now. It yeah. makes a lot of sense. But guess what? The, the year that he didn't try, that's the year I got traded there. It's crazy. Because if you if you if you think about it, they traded Washington traded Lavernius Coles yep. for you, 
And you and Trouble Coles are not that, it's not a big difference in the measurables. You know what I mean? I think Trouble Cole may, may be an inch or so taller than you. Taller. But that was Dan Snyder just feeling some type of way because he didn't get a chance to draft you initially and he wanted to get his hands on you. So now, now it makes sense. You know what I mean? The underlying stories and draft nights, we hear it all the time. But to hear yeah. your story yeah. and hearing that, yeah, they wanted to get and you. The owner wanted to go one way. The head coach wanted to go another way. And usually we hear the owner always win that battle. But in right. that scenario, the head coach won the battle. Eventually, the owner came back and trumped Look, the head coach and made that move happen to trade. I'm sitting in the office with Dan. And he said, man, can you believe it? Every year, I, I, I sent out a trade for you. And in 2004, I watched you light up the playoffs. I don't know if you was a part of that. Um, that uh, no, you had just, you had just yeah, 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 yeah. I wasn't there yet. But they talk. They, 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 they still talk about that in Pittsburgh. I ran a punt back against y'all in the second round playoffs. The mm-hmm. first round, I bombed uh, uh, Quint Jammer in, in uh, San Diego and had a touchdown. So the first round playoffs, I had a hundred some yards with a touchdown receiving. The second round playoffs, I run a punt back, the first first punt return in Jet history in the playoffs. So Dan say, man, when I saw you do that in the playoffs, I'm like, man, I'm not even going after this guy no more. There's no question they're not going to get rid of this guy. Mm-hmm. And he said, then I get paper something out. It's going to be a, 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 a equal swap, Lavernius for Santana. And he's like, this is crazy. You know, so <laughs> I'm sitting there like, man, look, I don't know how it happened. I know Porter's had a little hand in it and Drew Rosenhaus, but at the end of the day, what was meant to be happened, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, I, I mean, I really looked at that as like, look, I enjoyed my time in New York. It was bumpy. It was a bumpy road from the start. But I was, I'm grateful because I experienced so much as a kid, and I was able to take that and and, and use that as growth. And I was able to take that with me to Washington. And I was, a, to me, you know, regardless of the circumstances of what we went through as a team, and you know, the up and downs, and not going to the playoffs. I still grew into, you know, a, a, a pretty good talent, you know what I mean? And and I was able to display that, you know, year in and year out. Yeah, man. Fast forwarding over to, you know, two five season where you balled out, had 84 catches, nine touchdowns, 1,400 yards, second in the, in the NFL. Behind our former guest, all thing covered, Steve Smith, what was unleashed for you that year? Like what, what, yeah, you what, went, you what, went what crazy. was the, the turning point for you coming into that 2005 season? Opportunity. Yeah. Here's the opportunity. I mean, if you think about it, so let's go back. So first of all, I never get my true respect for my first year really playing in the pros. The first full season was 2002. I was drafted mm-hmm. in 2000 when I got hurt initially outdoor in training camp. I didn't play that season until like the last two or three games. So, you know, I'm, I'm, you can just throw anybody out there by that time. That game is well ahead of me. That season is well ahead of me. My first year playing was 2002. I was an all pro as a punt returner, first team all pro. No one ever puts that. Go and look it up. Google it. My first season, I was I, I led the league in punt returns, and I didn't get a chance to go to a Pro Bowl because back then it was almost that. Show me one year, then the next year you'll go. Yeah, so right. they gave me an alternate as a Pro Bowler, and I was a first team. I was first team All Pro as a punt returner. So you know that alone, and then the next year I hit him in the face because now I have a thousand yards. You know. In less than 16 weeks, I didn't start until week five and I get a thousand yard season, my first thousand yard season, my first year starting and mm-hmm. I didn't start the whole season. So that year, if you if you look at 2003 and look at 2005, it was the same thing that happened. I had the opportunity. It was the attempts. You know, I had two veteran quarterbacks, 2003 with the Jets. Benny Testaverde had to get thrown into there because 
Chad Pennington got hurt. Mm. And he saw every time I came in when I was, you know, because I was coming in a lot, but I wasn't starting. He knew on film, Tanner, you keep showing up. That was my thing. Like, I, you know, I learned that at an early age, at a young age, that, man, just show up. They're going to see you. So I would show up every time. Even when I'm backside out the read, I'm like, man, I'm going to show up. I'm going to beat this dude. I don't mm. care if I'm backside. So I would do that. And Benny started saying, look, I would come out of the huddle and Benny say, hey, Trey, I might come back to you, man. I see you. You was open last week. Come on. And he did it against Miami. I, I beat Sam Madison on a, a bum, I remember. I scored that touchdown, and the rest was history. Benny came to me every play. So you fast forward. That season now, I had 1,100-some yards. I had 10 touchdowns. I broke a record for the most touchdowns in the consecutive game, you know, for the Jets. And I'm a Pro Bowl alternate again. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's crazy how this stuff is. So now, 04, they like, man, this man finna get paid. Let's blackball. They don't want to throw me the ball. Right. But then now, we finna get ready to go to playoffs. We got to throw 83 the ball. So all <laughs> that stuff happened. You know, I can tell you that story another time. But to get to 2005, we had Patrick Ramsey as the quarterback. And the first game of the season, he goes down. Mark Monell goes in there within the sixth play of the game, seventh play of the game, I don't know. And he just had that same kind of, you know, vibe as Vinny Testaverde. He's watching everything. He will, I would come back to the huddle and he'd be like, eight, nine. How was it? You was open? And you know, as a receiver, I'm going to say, yeah, anyway. So I'm like, <laughs> like yeah, I'm open. And Mark, <laughs> me and Mark didn't have a practice. We didn't have a practice rep, all training camp. And got to think about it. I'm a first, this is my first time on, you know, with the team. So I went with Ramsey every play, every yeah. rep. And Mark get thrown out there, but just his knowledge of the game. And just his respect for guys like myself, he put the ball in there at me, and then I went out there, being the guy who I was from day one, just hungry. And that's why the you know the stats was up there because every week now they they drawing plays in the dirt for me because they like look, <laughs> do it, we throwing it at you. So that's what's the difference from my whole career. If you go back to 05, it was more more opportunity, and we didn't really necessarily put a playbook up and say we're gonna run, we're gonna run. You know how we have the little you no, know, we're gonna do this, this, and that, and that. Man, they got to the point in the passing game in 05, it was just like, look, put this and throw the 89. We, we right. ran this, throw the 89. And that's how yeah. I was able to go out there and accumulate so many yards and have the season that I had. Wow. They should have had that in the recipe every year after every 2005. Year. And, and speaking of your Washington career, MJ is famous for the flu game. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people don't know Santana Moss had a Hennessy game. <laughs> 2007. <laughs> Against the Dallas Cowboys, Tanner Man is dealing with an injury. And if you don't know anything about the National Football League, when you're dealing with an injury, they usually emphasize a toward or a shot. We yep. call it a tee shot. They kind of numb the pain. You take it right before the ball game. Uh, it, it numbs your body for whatever ailment you're dealing with. You don't feel it until after the game, right? But you decline to take the tee shot, and you decided to take a few shots of Hennessy. Fill us in on that story. <laughs> <laughs> Against the Cowboys. And by the way, before he gets into the story, crazy. viewers, nine <laughs> catches, Tanner had straight off Hennessy, straight off Hennessy, nine catches, 121 yards, and a touchdown. Straight yeah. off Hennessy. Tell Hennessey us about that shot. story. Hell Hennessy shot. shot. Hey, Hennessey. hey, Pat P, that was the Hennessy game. We going to go ahead and give that the Hennessy game for Tanner. Well, it's crazy because we <laughs> – honestly, it's, it's funny because I was doing it way before then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, was, it meant more because of that game. I wasn't expecting to play. And I told What my, injury you, you were dealing with? I had a heel injury. So okay. let me tell you how it happened. 
I go to New York first time back in New York playing the Jets. Now I, I go to back in New York every year because we play the Giants in New York. You yeah. know, that's my division. It's my first time playing my old team back in New York. And good friend of mine, you know Bo, Bo yep. DB, Bo a cornerback. So mm-hmm. me and Bo talk football all day. That's like my boy, you know. He know who I'm playing before I know him. Bo knows Tanner don't watch the guys. I don't care about who I'm facing. I don't like to see what good they do or bad because I want to see that that day. You know what I mean? Because I know it's going to be a difference. Think about it, Pat P. And yourself, be man. You know it's certain guys when you get face them, you're going to change this a little bit about your game off the respect alone. Yeah, right. I know that as a receiver. It's certain DBs off of what I do to the other deep or the, you know, someone else, I'm going to change according to who I know him as. So I never cared about watching guys because I know it's going to be a different, you know, thing or, or scheme when it comes to us, you know, meeting each other face to face. So Bo warns me. He said, hey, man, the Jets have, show me, by far the best corner that came out the draft. He's talking about Revis. He said, yeah. man, this dude here is lights out. I ain't know nothing diddly about Revis. So I'm like, well, yeah, you know, all right, I hear you. So we go out and play. Had a pretty productive game. Like, we didn't really – I could have won the game. I hit, I beat somebody. I'm not even sure if it was Revis or, or, or Revis. I beat somebody on a, um, a out and up. And Jason threw that thing in the stands. That's how. <laughs> <laughs> that was the story of my life, man. At times with Jay. I love him. That's my boy. But his arm was too big for him. He didn't know what to do with that thing. <laughs> that could have won the game. But we ended up winning anyway. But throughout the course of the game, I caught like a slant or something on Revis. And um, he fell on the back of my leg. And I was trying to break the tackle. You know how I am. I'm trying to break the tackle. And he fell directly on the back of my heel. And that thing was had a heartbeat. And I tried to just, you know, <laughs> I took something and it got out of pause. <laughs> but after the game, things slowed up on me, man. You know, it slowed up on me. And so from, from there, I had to miss a week. I missed, I missed one or two weeks. And leading up to, to Dallas week, I was finna miss. Yeah. And Dan came down like, he came in the training room and I'm like, this is odd. Dan's not in the training room. And you gotta think, it's still new to me. It's only my third season with these guys. So, like, I ain't never see Snyder down here in the training room. Right. Like, man, right? So I'm like, you know, uh, this is we this is um we in the third day of practice and I ain't out there yet. Mm, <laughs> I doubt it, you know? Yeah. Right. And so what we gotta do? I said, What you mean what we gotta do? I said, man, <laughs> I can't even put a shoe on. Like, I'm walking around with that boot. Like I can't even put my 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 heel can't even take nothing, it's too sensitive. <laughs> and so, like I you know, and I and I tell the story because Dan had nothing to do with anything that I did. Yeah. He just wanted me out there. And so I was like, look, I said, man, I know what I can do. Cause I, now I realized just by seeing him down there and knowing who we facing, I'm like, Oh man, it's Dallas. This is why he coming down here. I said, man, well, and I, and I was against not practicing and playing. Yeah. A lot of other players cool with that. Not Mm me. I, I, preparation was everything for me. Right. No question. Look, you can be my quarterback for 16 weeks. If I miss one week of practice with you, I, I need to know how that the velocity of that ball is coming. I need to know what you're seeing in certain plays. You know, that's why we rep this stuff. So yep. I was always big on being out there. And by me knowing that I wasn't out there, I was like, okay, I'm counting myself out. So, but seeing him now, I just got a different breath of motivation. Like, oh man, you know, the owner come down here checking for you. Can't let him down. That's how I'm built. That's how I'm wired. So I say, if I try Viking in tomorrow in practice, and if it takes some of the pain away, I know what else to do on Sunday. Yeah. That Viking has got to give me the proof that, hey, work. So if this don't work, then I can rest assured that that Viking ain't going to work. Never mm-hmm. took a bike. I took a Viking only once, and that was in New York. 
And I'll share that story another day. But that's how I realized the biking in could work. Yeah. So I took the biking in on Thursday practice. And you know, Thursday practice is where we putting the most, you know, uh, stuff in, especially red zone and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I mean, third down. And so I took it and I put the shoe on halfway. I taped it up real good. Made it through practice, but I looked stank. I was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of doubt. I had a lot of doubt in my mind, but I said to myself, I didn't try to hint. I know that's what I do anyway. Yeah. So, so leading to the game, I drank. I, that's it's just something that I, 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 <laughs> you know, I did it in college and track. And that was, that's how I got to this, you know. So you were, you were taking a shot back in, in your college days. I didn't do track. it in football in college. I did it but in track. track in college. Yeah. So, yeah. So taking a shot was normal for you. Taking a shot was normal. I discovered it late in college though. It was okay. late when I discovered it. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I wasn't able to, to do it in football because you know, it was after my last season of track, mm-hmm. I was going to the pros. Yep. I knew it worked in college and track. So I was like, man, I've done this before and I've done it before in the league. So let me just try this, you know? So we get into that game. I know I'm going to take the biking in. So I told myself before I take the biking in, let me do my ritual. Yeah. You know, I lay my stuff out. I have my little Gatorade bottle that I don't put my hand in already. It's always taped up. So, you know, down the road, most of the coaches that coach me, They'll look at my locker and know what's going on because they don't heard the story enough. Yeah, the Gatorade bottle with tape around it was Hennessy. Bingo. At the time, no yeah. one knew why that why that Gatorade bottle had tape on it. They always yeah. thought he just had something he'd do with his Gatorade <laughs> bottle. So at the time, no one knew. But when guys saw me in the locker room, put my stuff on, have my music pumping, they just came in knowing that, oh, we got 8-9 to play. He going to play, and we know this is Dallas. Yeah. And so I'm, right. I'm ready. I go out there. I go through warm-ups. I don't have a bike in it at all. And I'm gliding through warm up, like, uh, put my foot in the ground. I said, they don't mess up. They don't. So now I go in the locker room. I'm like, give me the Viking. Cause I know what the Viking is going to do, yeah. but I didn't know what this hand was going to do. The hand numb everything. <laughs> <laughs> but so I, I put the Viking in and the hand, that's the, you know, trust me. How much hand did you drink? Ten, how, how much hand did you drink? No, it's, it's, it's always a reasonable amount. Now don't get okay, me wrong. Really. So, I, I pour a little bit in there and then I dilute it with Gatorade. You know what okay, I'm saying? Like that, that's my thing about it. Like I would get the Gatorade, I pour the Gatorade in the cup, I fill the hand up, you know, to the bottom, and yeah. then I dilute that stuff with Gatorade. So, you know, it's getting to me quick, but you know what the Gatorade do? It, it, it gets in that, that bloodstream real quick. Yeah. So it's hitting me faster than it would be if I wasn't chasing it at all. You know, I didn't know the Viking in the hand was going to work that way. And I won't, <laughs> I advise nobody or anybody who listens to this, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't do that. And take, you know, or take medication. Cause to be honest with you, I heard things in that stadium I shouldn't have heard. Like I was, <laughs> I could hear a pin drop in the motion. <laughs> like I was literally sitting on the sideline at times and it was like, I heard conversations. <laughs> I was just, man, it was just like, damn. Hey, Tanner. It was like it was like you were playing during a pandemic with an empty stadium. You were hearing everything in there. Everything. <laughs> I was questioning myself, man, so much. Like, man, what's that small for doing this, man? <laughs> but I wanted to play so bad, honestly, man. I wanted to play so bad. I mean, you know, amongst all the stuff that we was going through at that time, I was yeah. just trying to play, be there for my team. I mean, we could sit here and laugh and joke about it. I did it. And I didn't do it with just to be saying I'm doing this because it's just something I want to do. Like I did Team it, God. Like it, it. It gave me my comfort that I need. It, it eased the little stuff that I was going through that I had to get right. over so I can go out and do what I do. And I went out there and put on the show. I went out there and played well. We just, I don't think we came, we was uh, inches away from winning again. You know, we didn't win. 
Bring your first down and all that. that, that <laughs> hey, Pat P, that's his first down. Anytime we be on the boo ray table and Tana boo somebody, I say, you do the other first down signal. <laughs> hey, he used to kill Dallas with that. Anytime Montana play against Dallas in, in, in a Washington uniform, yeah. he hey. will get that first down. I believe that game, T.O. did it. T.O. Oh, yeah. did it at our sideline, and I ran a reverse and did it back at their sideline. Like, did you ever do my damn uh, – <laughs> Hey, Tyler, we got, I got, I got one more for you before we get to our superlatives. Uh, in that same season, I know you lost someone very, very dear to you to, as, as the Washington family and the University of Miami family dealing with the tragedy of, uh, Sean Taylor. What did he mean to those programs? He meant a lot, man. I mean, Sean, it's hard to talk about him and just because, and that is great to just keep his, his legacy going. Like, I love the fact that we, talk about him so much because I feel like he's like one of those players. You'd be like, what if, you know what I mean? Like we understand a lot of change in our game, but if you really saw who he was becoming, what if, mm-hmm. like what he, what could he have been? You know what I mean? And I really think the demise of our team was because of Sean gone. He rolled, he roamed that secondary. He put fear in everybody game plan, man. You know, if Sean Taylor back there, people coming to the game a little different. They gon' they gon' they gon' scout a little different. Yeah, I mean, it was just a lot we lost, man. But to be to to be truthful, you know, I I didn't share that time with him in Miami, but I can tell you that everybody who was there in Miami who knew of his play there, they felt just like we felt in Washington. You know, I was devastated. I think in a lot of the ways that I live today is because of happened to experience that. Like mm-hmm. I really, man, it. I can't sit here and just say, put a pinpoint at something that I was doing at the time, but I was frightened to do anything that I wasn't doing right after Sean, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, left us. And one, because I was able to sit there and share a lot of, you know, uh, intimate moments with him outside of us being on the field. We shouldn't conversate or converse, I shall say, with each other a lot. Just sitting there in the training room. We was both dealing with injuries that year. And, I recall an inch, I recall that same week that that those guys broke into the house the first time. We talked about it. Mm. I sat there and the advice I gave was like, Sean, let that be. But we know Sean. He was like, nah, man, they, I, you know, he felt violated. He felt like mm. if I was there, it was something else would have been happening, you know, would have happened. And I'm like, yeah, but yeah, I didn't know that that was the second time. I didn't know it was the first time. They came I didn't know back. that. Yeah. They came back. They came that's back. The same people. They came back and all the only reason why they came back is because they knew he was in the season and they came for a safe. His, wow. I don't know the whole story. Yeah. I'm getting what I know, but all I know is that they was there for a party that his sister or someone of Sean, you know, Sean family threw a party and she showed him around and she showed him something that they weren't supposed to see. So they came back for that safe. Wow. Sean, First time they came, the party was over. They came by themselves. They didn't get it. The second time, Sean ended up being there. And, wow. how, you know, the situation happened. But just to get back to your question, he meant a lot, man. And um, I think, you know, I tried my best for the for the remainder of the time I played as a pro to play, to allow Sean to play through me. I know this might sound crazy and, you know, people looking at me, tell me what you're talking about. Look, that was something that I put on the table. I like, look. You know, when I prayed every, you know, game going into that end zone, I got on that knee. I wanted Sean to play with me because he, you know, just knowing that he was, his presence was always felt. Like I felt like walking in the locker room, you got to think, me, Sean, and Porters, our lockers was next to each other. 
Me, Sean, and Porks. Like we was, we was boys. We was, we were taught that weekend that, that he left us. Me, Sean, and Porters was the last person in the locker room. Sean wasn't coming. We knew he was going to Miami. We was going to Tampa. Yeah. He told us to go out there and have a good game. I see y'all when y'all get back. You know, so it, it it was devastating, man. But you know, you can always find a silver lining in, in, in things, whether it's good or bad. And I felt like it woke a lot of us up. Honestly, yeah. I, I really truly believe that my game changed a lot. The things that I took for granted changed a lot. And I had more of a purpose just knowing that life is short. And I always knew it was short, but it really showed me that. Just this guy had a promising career ahead of himself. And beyond football, I saw changes in this man as a man. Sean wasn't going out with us. We had a we had a weekend in DC called the Three Kings. Yeah. Portis. So let me tell you how we came about it. Portis, myself, and Sean, we all from Miami. And I didn't even know the reason why we made this thing, but Portis realized that. His birthday is the 1st of August. Sean's birthday is the 1st of April. And my birthday is the 1st of June. So we all like, and Porter's made his thing, three kids. We all going to have a weekend where and everybody and their mama would come worldwide. And they yeah. would come and, and party and celebrate with us. Sean would never show up. And if he did show up, he showed up on the last night. Mm-hmm. And he barely would hang. He would show his face. And, but he was changing as a man. He stopped hanging. He stopped doing all the crazy stuff that we heard early in his career. Cause he had a new purpose. He had a daughter, he, you know, baby Jackie, and he wanted to be a better father. And the things that people talked about, about Sean in the paper, you know, it was, it was, it, it was very hurtful to hear some of those people talk about him the same way when he passed. Cause if I recall was one reporter said, well, the person that we know, you know, for what happened to him, it was almost something that we will assume that would happen. Wow. Yeah. You know this man. How could you put that on somebody, you know? And I it it took me by surprise, but then again, I wasn't surprised because I understand a lot of people that cover us don't really know us. You know, they cover mm-hmm. the, they see how no violent, question. they see the violence that he played with, the recklessness. They see, you know, you know, a couple of instances that he had had where he spit in somebody's face and uh, you know, the uh case that he caught for someone stealing his ATVs. All that stuff basically proves who you are, I guess. You know what I mean? In a world that we give people a thousand of chances, you know what I mean? So we're going to just judge you because of what we saw or what we heard. Yeah. And uh, I think he left here and gave a lot of people that right to give him a bad rep. But guys like myself, guys like Portis, guys who really knew him and played <laughs> with him and the coaches that coached him, I'm glad that we were able, we, we are able to keep his legacy on and talk, have these talks that we having today about. It. Well said. Well said, man. Sean Taylor was a, Listen, I was a fan and an enemy at the same time because anytime <laughs> we played Miami, you know, Florida State, Miami, we used to always go into the week, man. Don't help this man get drafted higher than where he should go. Oh, man. Wrong, <laughs> man. And this man used to always pick six, knock someone out, oh, block cool. a punt. Oh, yeah. And like, oh, man. <laughs> and so, but heck of a football player, like you said, the what if, if yeah. that tragedy never happened, where where is he? When you talk about the elites of the elites, not mm-hmm. just at his position, but in totality of all positional players in National Football League. Well, we're gonna see if we're gonna have him on the on the uh I ain't gonna give him no oh, oh, yeah, hold on, hold on, Pat. No, hold on, no, yeah, we, Wait, you can't give on? him a, you can't give him a hint. You can't give him a hint. <laughs> we go we're gonna transition to the superlative part of our show 
And Pat P already had a question ready for you. So we out the gate. It's the first third down. We're going to press you. We're going to get in your chest. Pat P said you going to get in your chest with this question. Pat, so, Pat, you run with Miami, the first one. Miami Hurricanes, Mount Rushmore. Four people. Yeah, Miami, Miami Hurricanes, Mount Rushmore. You heard the question, Tanner. Oh, Rapid fire. Rapid fire. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, you got you got to give us four. And there's a lot of greats in there. A lot of Hall of Famers. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> But you got four. You got four. <laughs> Michael Irvin. Okay. Quarterback position, I would say Gino Toretta. Okay. Old school. <laughs> that ain't tough. Fat P, man. He having problems getting off that jam right now. <laughs> he having problems getting off that jam. I'm fighting Pat P right now with this one. <laughs> um, it's tough. And then guess what? It's, it's not going to be everybody else's around, you know, Mount Rushmore. I'm gonna mm-hmm. put Edwin James in that. Okay. Okay. He's more EJ. Than EJ. New. And it's your Rush, uh, Mount Rushmore. So who cares what anybody else thinks? <laughs> I'm gonna just say Ed Reed, man. Ed okay. Reed. Gino, Irvin, Edwin James, Ed Reed. Ed Reed. That's Santana Mount Rushmore for Hurricanes. Ain't bad. His list. Yeah. His, his list. list. Last question for you. And I suppose it's part of this show. Most underappreciated wide receiver. National Football League. You're looking at him. There it is. Looking at him. And uh, look, and uh, let's be real. You know me. And, and be, Mac, you know me for a while. I don't want nothing than what did I deserve. You know, then I don't want more than I deserve. Put it like that. All I want is what I deserve. But the reason why I say that is because people see, like I said, they are, they, they enamored by stats and the stats doesn't always tell the story. It tells part of it because you have to mm-hmm. go out there and do it. Yeah. yeah. But you have to understand too. And the reason why I'm going to bring this argument up, and I'm like I said before, I care less. When I was a hurricane, me and Reggie was fighting for 700 yards a, a year. That's all mm-hmm. we was getting. I had one year when I had 899. And guess why? Reggie hurt his knee the last couple of games of the season. So it was on my show. But more every year, we knew he was going to get by 700 yards. Yeah. And guess what he was considered? two of the better wide receivers in, in collegiate football. So why did those 700-yard receivers didn't get no flack for catching 1,000 yards then? But then we get into the league, and just because you didn't have 1,000 yards, you're not considered top of your, 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 you know, your class or your core. I get it. Trust me, I fought hard every year for those 1,000 yards. That's all I wanted. Yeah. But if the system doesn't allow you to flourish that way, all you can be is all you can be. And I felt like with little that I got, I always, you know, did more. And so that's all I, I want credit for. Man, look, I'm not nobody because I know how hard it is to play this game that we love mm-hmm. and how hard it is to be elite at, at our individual positions. A lot of guys, man, I, I look at and I be like, Whew. but then there's a lot of guys I look at him like, bro, if I had a piece of what you had, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, Nah, you know, that's, that's just, that's just being real. So as a receiver, all we can do is what they allow us to do. Like I need the guys up front to block for my quarterback. I need my quarterback to be in sync with me. When you got 15 of them in 14 years, how could you ever, you know, find that comfort or find that chemistry and have those kind of, you know, seasons, you know, to put together. So I feel like I worked hard, man. I, 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 I look forward for 800 yard seasons. Mm-hmm. No, no book. I, that was my line. Look, man, when all said and done, I got to get 800. 
Yeah. Because I knew that it wasn't going to be peaches and cream for me. And you got to mm-hmm. think, I'm already small in stature. So I'm like, I got, I got so many odds against me right now. Yeah. I just got to get enough to be able to say I could be considered among the pack, amongst yeah. the pack. And that's what I did. I fought hard for that because I knew that my team wasn't going to always. And then you got to, you got to also put into uh, context that some of these offenses now are wide open. I played in yeah. a run oriented offense all my career. Yeah. College and pros. Chris Martin leading the league almost every year. Yeah. Then as a, you know, a skin, now we, we call them, you know, watch the football team. You had Portis. Mm-hmm. You had Alfred Morris. Yeah. You had so many other guys that was back there that we, we fed that ball to. So the one time that I got amongst the offense that we, we really spread the football out was when the Shanahan's got there. And by that time, I had one season with him when I had a thousand yards where I was a starter. And the next year I was in the slot and yeah. I, and we was all sharing the ball and getting 600 yards a piece. Yeah. So, you know, that's why I look at it and I say, you know, I'm not sitting here saying give Tanner this praise. Nah, I don't, I don't deserve nothing that not deserving, but for what I've done, nah, speak my name amongst the others, because I feel like in that 2000 era from 2001, let's say up to 2010, Regardless of what went on, when you came to Washington, who you had to check for? Moss. Hey, I know that. Hey, you used to run that out route, man, like you was stepping on cockroaches, man. You run the out route so hard and precise, but you're like, boy, you better get up out that pedal. Hey, don't be, hey, don't be sitting too deep in that pedal. <laughs> may I say this, though? May I say this? Although the people that are stat watchers and they just don't watch the game, they don't know football. Yeah. Guys that always giving me my flowers. The, 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 you know, the guys who I faced was the DBs. Yeah. Those guys I faced, those guys I really had to sit up there in front of. When I see them, they always, boy, look at here. You know, I remember sitting there, you know, we play bull a lot. And, and I still do now when I pop up in town, I go to Trail House and Trail Road. Mm-hmm. And Trail mm-hmm. Satana, man, it got to a point where you was a slot guy. We knew you coming in on third down. And our coaches used to tell us, look, when they not come in the game, just know, he could beat you. He get the ball. Just know he getting the ball. And Trail said, "I be darn, man. You, you, whoever on you, that you beating him." And we said, yeah, "We third and six. We get <laughs> here and went over this." And I told Trey, "I said, man, Trey, I never knew. I never knew that that you know. And you know, as players leading up to the game, you gonna always have your scout report who right. the guys were. And you know, it was great to hear a story from a guy who I faced." Twice a year, and and yeah. and also was a hurricane, and he was a guy that always me and him both wore six at the U. And he said, "Ten, I ain't gonna lie, man. We knew third down, yeah. you came in the game. We got a check for you, and you found a way to still get open. So that right there is just more than enough that I can receive. But when I hear people talk about others, I sit back and I don't say much because I'm not tripping on it. I just feel like, man, don't watch the stats. Go watch the games. Go yeah. see what I was doing with the little that I was getting." You know, no doubt. Well said. Well said, man. Well, Santana, man, thank you for joining us here on All Things Covered, man. A great conversation with Santana Moss, the cowboy killer, to say the least. It, it, it might not be too late to get a little Hennessy <laughs> trademark, too, uh, Tanner. It might not be too too late for that. You know what I mean? Go ahead and get that Hennessy trademark. Yeah, get something. Get a little sponsorship going on, baby. Right. Hitting that Gatorade got, got you like 121. Every, look, for you to tell me that, it's three things that people have told me to trademark throughout my you know, career playing football. Yeah. Big time players step up in big games. Yep. That was against your boys. You know, you, Florida State, you weren't there yet, I don't think. And the Cowboy Killer, I've heard 
trademark cowboy killer. Man, look, that was given to me. I don't care less about it. But now you're telling me the Hennessy trademark. Man, I can't take it. <laughs> Man, it, hey, it's worth look. a shot. It's hey, worth a I, shot. Look. Hey. Go ahead, get that thing trademark and bring some bring some of your gifts to the Blu-ray table. <laughs> I can boo you. I ain't gonna let you in either. Tell you know I let you in every now and then. I'm gonna boo you. Get that trademark. Hey, we, we got the same kind of method of how we do things. We don't allow the guys to get in, but when it's time to kill you, we got that man. Look here, I can't help you, your kid, your mama, nobody. nobody. I gotta give it to you. So gotta get them. <laughs> hey, no doubt, no doubt. But man, appreciate you joining us here. All things covered, man. Santana Malls, man. Much love, former man. New York Jets. Former Washington football team player, of course, former Hurricane as well. Pat, keep doing your thing, man. We watching you, boy. Keep it up. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, Santana. All love, man. Thanks again to Santana Moss. Thanks to everyone for listening to this episode of All Things Covered. If you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe and leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back with you soon where you can expect all things will be covered. Peace. Peace. Streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. Bob Marley, One Love, rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.